on the Wolverine, Avengers, Darth Vader, Despicable Deadpool, Doctor Strange, Doctor Strange, Damnation, Exiles, Hunt for Wolverine, Invincible Iron Man, Legion, Lockjaw, Marvelizing, Mighty Thor, Marmugal, Devil Dinosaur, Moon Knight, Old Man Hawkeye, Peter Parker, the Spectacular, Spider-Man, Spider-Gwen, Spider Wars, Doctor Actor, Daniel Samuel, Venom, Venomized, X-Men, Blue! Oh, he did it. You did it. Welcome to Marvel's The Pull My Finger List. <laughs> I Oh, I see am how you do this now. Tucker Marcus. Ooh, weird. I'm kicking the show off this week. That's right. That's because Agent M, Ryan Panagos, is not here. So we pulled in a worthy, a worthy replacement this week. And who is that? <laughs> it's me, Jamie Frevely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like the kids are in charge of the household. The patients are running the asylum. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Exactly. And that's what's happening this week. And we have a lot to cover in terms of comics. But, you know... Who knows where we'll end up along the way? Anything could happen today. Yeah, that's right. I, I have a feeling, though, at the end, it's going to be about the friends that we made along I, the way. I, I think maybe. And the first friend that I certainly <laughs> made this week was in the form of All New Wolverine, number 34. It's written by Tom Taylor, art by Ramon Rosanas, colors by Nolan Woodard, and letters by Corey Petit. Tom Taylor is, for me, the most versatile writer in Marvel Comics right now. He can do anything. And we see that so perfectly in this issue. Of course, this is part of the old woman Laura storyline, and it's a future version of Madripoor. Laura is the queen. There is so much kind of uh, world building going on in such an interesting way, because instead of a post-apocalyptic world like we see so often in this book, in the future, everything is going perfectly and there's no villains and the heroes have won. And it's a really interesting take. And we get a little bit of Captain Marvel in this issue, uh, a kind of future version. Of course, we get the wonderful Gabby and Laura action going along the way. And they're taking on Victor Von Doom. Like I said, Tom Taylor, for me, he can write that action. He can write the drama so perfectly, but he is also so insanely funny. And he can capture the voice of almost any character you throw at him. And this is the perfect example of that in All New Wolverine, number 34. Moving so swiftly on. Two, Avengers No Surrender, number 16. This is it. We've been coming to this point. Jamie, we started a journey, a weekly journey on Avengers No Surrender 16 weeks ago. Four <laughs> months of Avengers No Surrender. And let me just say, it has lived up to the hype. It's been so good. I know uh, online the reaction has been great to No Surrender as well. In this issue, it, it throws so many heroes, so many villains into the mix and to be able to capture their voices so perfectly and to bring out those individual moments while maintaining the overarching themes and arcs is so insanely difficult. But Mark Wade, Al Ewing, and Jim Zub, the writers, have done it so, so wonderfully. Pepe Larraz is on this issue coming back. Uh, he kicked off this series, and now he's finishing it off. Colorist David Curiel and letterer Corey Petit. Like I said, this is the end of the party, folks. And it's so interesting because a lot of the action with the Voyager, who's new in this series, kind of gets turned in a really interesting way. A lot of ends are tied up, but so many more are spun off and left frayed and left to really influence what might be the next few months, uh, if not year or more uh, of Marvel Comics. Because like I said, so many characters are in this story. It has been a really, really, really worthy mini event. Uh, a really incredible uh, story that touched so many corners of the Marvel Universe and done it so perfectly. Jamie. Yeah. Star Wars Darth Vader is routinely one of my favorite books that we have. 
I specifically left the Star Wars to you because I know you're a big Star you know Wars what? fan. You're a good, you're a great colleague. You're a great comrade. You're a great friend. I salute you. Thanks, man. Um, I'm also a Trekkie, so, <laughs> oh, <laughs> so okay. there's that too. Well, okay. I, it's it, there's no hate there. There's no dislike for Star Wars. I just prefer the Trek. Okay. okay. Well, and do you have a specific Trek series? Oh, the, ori- the original series. Oh, yeah. By yeah. far. By far. Yeah. Can't be fantastic. Making out with aliens. All the time, 24-7, and then leaving them behind. (laughs) In Star Wars, though, um, I'm not sure if there's any alien making out action in this issue. Uh, I don't think so. They're all aliens because they're not from Earth. Hey, come on. That's quite an Earth-centric view of the universe. That is true. That is true. Hey, who's to say we're not the aliens, but hey, come on. We are totally aliens. I don't know who's that guy. (laughs) I don't know who that guy is. He's like some sort of like like real like New York kind of guy, but he is also in- incredibly enlightened about the universe. You don't want to offend these Martians. Anyway. I watch a lot of History Channel, and I know the truth. <laughs> uh, Star Wars Darth Vader number 15 is on shelves this week. It's written, of course, by the incredible Charles Soule. Pencils by Giuseppe Camicoli, who is equally as incredible. Uh, inks by Danielle Orlandini. And colors by David Curiel. Uh, there's a war going down on Mon Cala which includes the Mon Calamari. Not sure if you knew that, Jamie, but there's an not. alien race in Star Wars called the Mon Calamari, and yes, they look like squid. Sounds delicious. <laughs> uh, anyway, in this issue, uh, there's a war going down between the Empire, who's trying to kind of clench their fist around Mon Cala, and the uh, the people of Mon Cala who are kind of rising up against the Imperial rule. And it's really awesome because the first half of this issue has almost no words. It's like all action. Vader is underwater. It is so cool. You like you see out of his helmet, you're kind of getting updates on like his oxygen levels and all of these things. Uh, it's so interesting how he gets out of that predicament uh, and then into the rest of the issue. There's a really, really awesome moment where when he leaves, like his crew is essentially like, oh, like we didn't go on the mission. We like we're trying to save you. And he's just like, I never need saving. Oh, <laughs> and he's a strong, independent woman, that Vader. Heck yeah, he is. And uh, it is a great, great issue, specifically from an art perspective, because there's a lot of wide views of action and ground level battle scenes. It is uh, a really detailed look uh, while maintaining that that sense of scale. Uh, and I really, really loved it so much. Jamie, what are your thoughts on Deadpool? I love Deadpool. I feel like if I was going to write a comic, I would look to Deadpool to see how that kind of flow went. I love his tone. I love his sarcasm. Yeah. I like how he breaks the fourth wall. I like how he has kind of an inner dialogue that's not really an inner dialogue because it's pretty much out there. Right. I like that he sings a lot because I can relate (laughs) to that when I'm by myself. Yeah, yeah. Well, if there is one series with one writer that I would recommend over the last couple of years in Marvel Comics that you read... I would recommend Jerry Duggan's Deadpool. It is absolutely incredible. The journey that we see Deadpool go on, which is concluding here. This is the penultimate issue. This is Despicable Deadpool number 299. It is written by the aforementioned Jerry Duggan with art by Mike Hawthorne, who has, I believe, drawn more pages of Deadpool than any artist in history. I think he's done like twice as many pages as the next highest number of pages for the next artist. It's insane. And he is one of the greats. Uh, inks are by Terry Pallet and colors are by the great Jordi Belair. This is uh, the Marvel Universe 
kills Deadpool storyline. Uh, and uh, doesn't mean he's not going to come back. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, Scotty Young has a few things to say about that, who, of course, is oh. taking over on Deadpool number one coming up this summer, which is going to be so good. But as we wrap up this creative team's run on this issue, I guess the big question is like, at the end, where do you go? And so often, especially with a story this good, the answer is the beginning. I'll leave readers to find that out for themselves, exactly what that means, but it is so awesome. It gets to the roots of where Jerry Duggan started with his run on Deadpool. It's so funny, of course, in the best Deadpool ways, but in my opinion, what Jerry has captured better than any other Deadpool writer ever is that emotion and the heart and the soul and the darkness of Deadpool at the same time. Uh, and we're getting full doses of that in this issue. It is going to continue to be a worthy end to this creative team's time with the Merc with a Mouth. Something I always really liked about Deadpool was how they draw sarcasm. 100%. It's brilliant to me because it's hard to read when someone's saying it out loud and to see it on the page. That is a special yeah. talent to be you're, able to capture you're that. You're so right. You're so right. It, it's We don't really think about it enough, but, enough, but it's like if you're texting someone sarcastically, you're going to run into problems. You are right? absolutely. It does not read right. well. So next we have Doctor Strange, Damnation number four written by Donnie Cates and Nick Spencer artist Rod Reese and letterer VCs Travis Lanham. Beautiful Doctor Strange, crazy, yeah. mystical gorgeousness. Yeah, Rod Reese is really one of my favorite artists. Even he, He's such a unique style. Yeah. Yeah, especially in something like Doctor Strange where there's so much crazy weirdness and supernatural, mystical nonsense and that's both funny and serious and dark and twisted and trippy it's all there like dr strange is the stefan's nightclub of comic books for me <laughs> like it has everything <laughs> uh yeah this this issue is wrapping up the damnation uh storyline in so many like you said insane really cool ways i feel like donnie and nick have carved out a really unique corner to explore in las vegas and we see how that spins out of Damnation. I actually saw Donnie Kate's tweet that because we have a couple Doctor Strange books on mm -hmm. offer this week, one should read Damnation first before diving into the main Doctor Strange book. Yeah, Jamie said it perfectly. There's just so much going on in Damnation, but it all kind of collapses into this beautiful, cohesive, synthesized, uh, wonderful story that is leading us out of damnation, but has certainly like left a big impact on Doctor Strange himself, which we explore even more in Doctor Strange number 389. Yeah. And of course, writer Donnie Cates again. Artist is Nico Enrichon, and letter is VC's Corey Petit. I guess this one's a little more lighthearted. Yeah. I saw Dormammu joking. Right. Yeah. And that it's like, cracked me up. Yeah. It's, it, I feel like it's just got a. Because Damnation is like the event book and Doctor Strange is obviously the strange focus book. I feel like this one just kind of allows for a little bit more intimacy and specific direction on Stephen Strange himself. Not that the other one lacks that, but the other one has so many other awesome elements to touch on. Whereas this one can really focus in not just on Doctor Strange, but in his history and his personal relationships yeah. and things like that. This issue is like all out wildfire action uh, and it ends, like I said, with a really meaningful, really personal conversation, sending Strange back to where he belongs. And, you know, we'll see where that takes him. I highly recommend that uh, you check that out. Next up is one of the weirdest 
and most tonally specific new books that I've read in a long time. And that is Exiles Number Two, which is written by Saladin Ahmed, with pencils by Javier Rodriguez, inks by Alvaro Lopez, and colors by Chris O'Halloran. This issue continues the team up uh, in the best way. Of course, we're seeing the world from the view of Nick Fury, who lives on the moon now, and his name is The Unseen. Sure. Yeah. Why wouldn't Nick Fury live on the moon? Yeah, and sure. change his name. Nick Fury <laughs> does whatever he wants. Exactly. The Unseen is collecting, essentially, uh, champions from across dimensions to save Earth from this kind of interdimensional threat. It is so weird. It's so perfect because in this issue, Valkyrie joins on the team. Yes, the Valkyrie inspired directly by the Valkyrie from Marvel Studios' Thor Ragnarok. Oh, uh, very so nice. Just incredibly by Tessa Thompson. Uh, so we get that character uh, coming to the fold as well as Wolvie, who's like a little cartoony baby version of Wolverine. Oh, it's a baby Wolverine. Yeah, that's right. All that adds up to like a super specific book tonally. And it is so much fun. Solid Ahmed is an incredible talent and he's doing something so different here and so good. And okay, we're coming up on something big here. What? Oh something my. big, something massive. Something crazy. Oh, goodness. Uh, and that is Hunt for Wolverine number one. Whoa. This poor guy, they're never going to leave him alone, are they? This issue is broken up into a couple stories uh, with a couple different creative teams, the first of which is called Secrets and Lives, and that's by Charles Soule, David Marquez, and Rochelle Rosenberg, and the second is called Hunter's Pride, and that's Charles Soule, Paulo Siquiera, Walden Wong, and Ruth Redmond. This is it. This issue sees the... Return of Wolverine? It's so hard to say, uh, but the hunt is very much on. There are so many mysteries that are unraveling about kind of, okay, maybe he's back. We don't know many answers, but we get a few glimpses into the past. We get a few glimpses into what's going on right now, and we're kind of reeling from uh, what's happening right alongside all the X-Men who aren't quite sure what's going on either. And it's really, really exciting because this issue now will spin off into four one-shot issues. Weapon Lost, which is written by Charles Soule with Matteo Buffani. Adamantium Agenda, which is written by Tom Taylor. Shout out Tom Taylor. Woo! Uh, with art by R.B. Silva. The Claws of a Killer, which is written by the wonderful Mariko Tamaki with Butch Guise. And Mystery in Madripoor, the fourth story by Jim Zub and Chris Bashalo. Um, they lean into different genres in really, really, really fun ways. And uh, it is just a really interesting, mysterious start. And speaking of mystery, we have Invincible Iron Man number 599. That's right. The F.E. man himself. <laughs> uh, Very smart, Tucker. Um, Very smart. Uh, it's written by Brian Michael Bendis with art by Stefano Caselli and Alex Malev and colors by Marte Gracia with Alex Malev. We are continuing to near the return of Tony Stark and we get a little glimpse of him maybe in this story. But what's really interesting about this is as Tony gets closer to his return, those around him, and let me specify, that means everyone around him really really everyone in the 
coolest and strangest and most unsettling of ways come back to receive him. Uh, and that's all I'll say. I cannot wait for the huge landmark 600th issue uh, as we move forward. Next up is Legion number four, which is the penultimate issue of this uh, limited series. And it's written by Peter Milligan with art by Lee Ferguson, colors by Dan Brown. Not that Dan Brown. Which you mean the Da Vinci Code Dan Brown? That's right. I say this every time. I don't know about his coloring anyway. People, please get it through your heads. This is a different Dan Brown. Okay. There's no Uh, Robert Langdon comic. No, that's right. Uh, But there should be. Uh, And letters. There should be. Letters by Travis Lanham. This is a really, really fun issue because I feel like in the previous three issues, Legion has kind of had to stand by and see a lot of terrible stuff going down within his mind and around him. But it's it's been uh, really tough for him to take the fight to the bad guys himself. And in this issue, he does exactly that. It feels like a turning point in this limited series. And it's just exactly the weirdest wackiest like journey into the mind uh strangeness jamie that you would expect out of a legion comic book looks like another trippy sort of experience in the vein of dr strange exactly 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 and not the same dan brown not the same one anyway not gonna find any pictures of the mona lisa in this that's right moving on something near and dear and to my heart and soul is a comic about dogs it is lockjaw Number three, written by Daniel Kibblesmith, penciler Carlos Villa, Inca Roberto Poggi. Lockjaw's adventures continue with D-Man. And now we've got on the cover, we can see Spider-Ham. This oh, is, yes. This is a little piggy in a Spider-Man costume, which we saw a peak of at the end of the last issue. And now there are even more animals. because D- D-Man, I, for me, is, he's more like A-plus man because I like oh. him so much. More yeah. more than just a passing grade yes. to you, Tucker. I like, that, I like that dude so much. What I thought was really funny about D-Man was that he lives in Bushwick. Yeah. <laughs> which is, I used to live in Bushwick and I no longer do, but yeah, I've probably <laughs> seen that guy wandering around Maria Hernandez Park before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I love the way these artists draw dogs because yeah. I feel like it takes a certain kind of familiarity with loving dogs Mm -hmm. and capturing their character and their, dare I say it, humanity. (laughs) Because dogs do have personalities and Lockjaw certainly has a very lovable and would we say that Lockjaw knows how to control his powers? It's really tough to say. I feel like he's whatever the opposite of scheming or tactical is, right. it's him. It's you know, very he's just, pure. He's, exactly. It's pure. He just likes to kind of go places. <laughs> he's just doing his thing and he's continuing to do his thing in Lockjaw number three. And at the end, we get a wonderful little tease uh, that I'm sure we'll explore more in the next issue, which is a journey mm-hmm. into the mind, much oh like Legion, but this time... For Lockjaw himself. Oh, man. Oh, man. Also, at the end of the issue, pictures of dogs. Real dogs. <laughs> and some of them look like my dog, Pangy. Next is Marvel Rising number zero. Uh, and this is written by Devin Grayson with art by Marco Faya, Colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. Letters by Clayton Cowles. We're so excited about Marvel Rising because... Not only is Marvel Rising number zero a free issue, that's right, folks, F-R-E-E, free. What's free in this life? Nothing, except for Marvel Rising number zero. 
That means zero money, guys. That's right. Zero money yes. and lots of fun. Yeah. And not only is it free, but Marvel Rising will be spreading across all media coming very soon. Uh, and this issue starts out in the best way, which is a squirrel girl. That's right. Doreen Green, not Doreen Orange or Doreen Yellow or Doreen Red. Doreen Green with Kamala Khan, and they team up to take down some bad guys. It is so much fun, and it expands, of course, across uh, the world and moving beyond from there. What's not to love in that? In the back of this issue, we have a Marvel superhero adventures story, which is action for the youngest readers uh, ages five to eight. It's really meant to encourage parents to read with their kids. Uh, and these characters, like I said, Squirrel Girl and Ms. Marvel do that better than anyone. Uh, I love them so much. I know young readers love them so much uh, and rightfully so. And I cannot wait to see where we go. Sounds like a blast. So next is The Mighty Thor, number 706. The... <sighs> Dude, you this have is no idea. This is very emotional journey. Yeah. This is insanity in the biggest of ways. Yeah. This is the conclusion of Jason Aaron, Russell Dowderman, and Matthew Wilson's run uh, with Jane Foster Thor. As been agreed uh, on by many, it's going to go down in Marvel history as one of the greatest runs ever. It's really one of the most beautiful things I've ever looked at. It's devastating. Like, do not. If you're feeling a little emotional, you know what? If you're a little emotionally constipated, read The Mighty yes, Thor. Yes. Get it all out. Get it all out. 100%. I don't even want to talk about the plot of this issue at all. That never happens on the pull list. We've never done that. I don't think we've ever done that before where it's like, okay, this is a new issue. We're not going to talk about it. But this is one. Let's just say it is exactly everything art wise certainly writing wise uh without a doubt that we've come to expect from this legendary creative team but narrative stuff we can't even talk about because the whole issue is a spoiler it is just a gorgeous like jamie said a gorgeous emotional end to this run you know if you have been anywhere near marvel comics over the last few months, over the last couple of years, then you will have heard great things about this series. And this is a equally great end. So next is Moon Girl and reintroducing Devil Dinosaur, number 30. He's back. He's back. The Devil Dinosaur has returned to Lunella Lafayette, the smartest person in the entire world. They continue on their adventures with one half of the Fantastic Four. That's right. A new version of the Fantastic yes. Four. On the first couple of pages, there's actual math in case you need it illustrated for you. One plus two equals Fantastic Three plus a dinosaur makes that four. Oh, that's a nice little rhyme, too. Yeah. The dinosaur makes four. So the writer is Brandon Montclair, artist Natasha Bustos, colorist Tamara Bonvalon, letterer Travis Lanham. This is a very super fun Lunella Lafayette adventure with her reunited devil dinosaur, who is, you know, essentially a large puppy with short front arms. That's right. He's like Clifford the Big Red Dog of just a killer T-Rex. You know what? It's so awesome to get a fresh perspective on certain books because I've <laughs> never thought of it that way, but you're so right. That's yeah. exactly what it is. Yeah. Another really great book if you want to read something with your kids, I have to say. 
I've got my my next one. This is actually my pick of the week, and it is Moon Knight number 194, written by Max Bemis, artist Ty Templeton, colorist Kieran Smith, letterer VCs Corey Petit. So I am new to Moon Knight, and I am so glad I discovered it because it has everything I want in a comic, which is a handsome Jewish superhero. Yes. Yeah. The Moon Knight origin story that it talks about is fascinating to me as a true crime addict. And I'm not going to spoil why you just it has something that I feel like you don't see super often in a superhero comic, which is a gritty murder story. Mm-hmm. And it comes from a very unexpected place and it shapes Mark Spector. It starts out with Mark as a very young man, probably a teenager, young teenager, 13, 14, maybe 15. And he talks about an experience he had with a beloved member of his community, someone he considered part of his own family. And it takes a very extremely dark turn. So I highly recommend it. All if about it. Max Bemis has brought the darkness in such a cool, not the band, not the band, not the band, the darkness, just the concept of darkness to Moon Knight in such an awesome way. I think oh. he's done maybe six or seven issues at this point um you should go check them all out and this is a great uh one shot journey into the past so so good okay jamie are you ready for some geriatric action always jerry action oh jerry action that that is is not action with a guy named jerry no way that is old people doing stuff ready for it high socks and shorts with sunscreen and canes visors and visors visors that do not shield bald spots but shield their eyes and yet they still wear those sunglasses that they can wear over glasses yes and lukewarm coca-colas oh my goodness with no fizz because we can't have that fizz it upsets everything yes upsets everything yes we get none of that oh but so much more in Old Man Hawkeye number four, which is written by Ethan Sachs with art by Marco Cacchetto. This issue is, it really starts to solidify Clint Barton's journey with his old Thunderbolts teammates. Uh, I don't want to say too much, but really, really meaningful because it just imports so perfectly uh, that great Hawkeye and the Thunderbolts, all those memories and all those relationships uh, and then we get Venom action. Oh, Ven- Venom post-apocalyptic cool. future. Jamie Madrox turned Venom's hunting people down. It is so intense. Uh, when we're now we're at thirty-three point three repeating percent of the way through this series, and uh, I've just been loving every single issue. Uh, you should go right now, actually, to Marvel.com to check out our latest creator commentary, which is Ethan Sachs, the writer of this series, in his own words, giving behind-the-scenes details about what he was thinking when he was writing individual pages, individual panels. It is a really great perspective on his thought process as he was creating this really, really uh, great, super fun series. So go check that out now. Next, we've got Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, number 303. Writer Chip Zdarsky, penciler Joe Quinones, inkers Joe Rivera, Joe Quinones, and Paolo Rivera. So we have Spider-Man, Peter Parker, traveling back in time to save his younger self and Aunt May from Norman Osborn. Classic, classic Spider-Man. And meanwhile, trying to help him out, 
are J. Jonah Jameson, an ally to Spider-Man, a nutty foe, <laughs> and also a young woman named, what's her name, Teresa, who may or may not, could possibly be Peter Parker's sister. Aunt May or Aunt May not. Oh, or Aunt Maybe. <laughs> oh, yeah. But there are definitely at least two panels in here that are directly reminiscent of old Spider-Man comics, and I'm not going to say what they are. You have to look for yourself. But yeah, if you like classic Spider-Man stories, this is a very interesting take on it. It's a new twist on Spidey. More arachnid action comes in the form of Spider-Gwen number 31. This, uh, like I mentioned earlier with Exiles, is a cross-dimensional journey for the best of them. Jason Latour, the writer, Robert R- Rodriguez, the artist, Rico Renzi, the colorist, and Clay Cowell's litter. This issue specifically leaps between realities and dimensions unlike any individual issue that I've ever seen. It is so much fun to kind of leap across universes and leap across realities and bring different elements, different characters, different heroes into the fray all at the same time. And it's just so fascinating to see them slowly collide uh, and to see all those realities come together at once. Spider-Gwen has been such an unexpected favorite of mine. And this is another really, really wonderful issue. My pick this week, though, is the Thanos Annual, number one. And boy, oh boy, are there plenty of creators involved in this one. We have six stories in total, and I'll just list off the different creators front to back. All of them. Here we go. We have Donnie Cates, Jeff Shaw, Antonio Fabella, Chris Hastings, Flaviano, Federico Blee, Kieran Gillen, Andre Aurelio, Chris O'Halloran, Katie Cook, Heather Breckel, Ryan North, Will Robson, Rochelle Rosenberg, Al Ewing, and Fraser Irving. They all contribute to this wonderful, wonderful annual story. Uh, and we kick it off in what we have come to expect as classic Donny Cates and Jeff Shaw Thanos style. It's dark. It is so intense. But as we go from Donnie and Jeff's story into the other stories, we have uh, tales titled Titan's Greatest Dad, What to Get from the Man Who Takes Everything, Exhibition, My Little Thanos, That Time Thanos Helped an Old Lady Cross the Street. Oh, Yeah. And The Comfort of the Good. And it's all told in the perfect idiosyncratic voice of the cosmic ghost writer. That's right. It's future Frank Castle. Uh, and this issue serves as kind of the, the number zero for the cosmic ghost writer uh, series, which is coming later this summer and uh, which I'm super excited about. Well, I like how Thanos is reclaiming purple from Barney the dinosaur too. <laughs> Both have formidable chins as well. They do. Strong, strong yeah, jaws. There's something about purple brings out the chin. Next is Star Wars Dr. Aphra number 19. It's written by Kieran Gillen and Cy Spurrier with art by Emilio Laiso and colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. I love to see Harrison Della, who is, of course, uh, most known from Star Wars Rebels on Disney XD, uh, become more and more involved in the comics as a whole. And we're seeing her most specifically in Dr. Aphra. It is so cool to kind of jump across the Star Wars universe that way and, uh, you know, really feel it as uh, a piece of a whole. But things are kind of moving very quickly for Aphra, both in a professional sense and certainly in a romantic sense. Ooh. Yeah. Ah. Uh, maybe there's some smooching action going on in there. Oh my goodness. Smooching in space. Space smooching. Mm. Mm. 
Next up is Venom number 165, The Nativity, part two of this series, written by Mike Costa, penciler Mark Bagley, inker Scott Hanna, colorist Dono Sanchez Almara, letterer VCs Clayton Cowles. We have Eddie Brock talking with Agent Claire Dixon, who was seemingly resurrected, and they are expecting a baby. What? Not together, not Eddie Brock and his lady friend, but... Venom. Venom the symbiote, with whom Eddie Brock has actually out loud conversations, which I think is a really fun part of reading a Venom book, is you see him talking to himself. And what I didn't really realize about Venom is he's not always that mean. Like, there's an internal struggle going on, which makes Venom really, really interesting for me. One of my favorite things about Marvel Comics, going back to the very beginning, are the sound effects. Like, scree, crack, thwip. Scrunch, which is not something you put in your hair, but it is the sound <laughs> that cars make when they run into each other. That's a good one. Quud. Quud. <laughs> right there. Yeah, K-W-U-D. That is the sound of a human back hitting pavement. <laughs> uh, but the baby story is not really what it seems. And if you read this issue of Venom, you will find out what that means. Uh, it's not a spoiler, but it's interesting to see where it goes. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. So, you know, precious moments. Uh Another Venom story this week, following it up with Venomized number four, which is written by Colin Bunn, with art by Kevin Labranda, inks by Scott Hanna and Live Say, colors by Matt Yaki, and letters by Joe Caramagna. We've learned that the poisons are just completely relentless, uh, and that couldn't be more true than in this issue. On the cover, we see a poison version of Thanos. That's right. Poisoned up, huge chin guy is involved. He comes into the fold in a big way. So good. He's so gross. He's so gross. Uh, So nasty. Speaking of gross, there's got to be some gross villains in X-Men Blue number 26. Well, if there aren't, then I'm not interested, Tucker. I'm not not thinking of anyone in particular, but in uh, Cry Havoc Part 4, which is this issue, we see the effects of the mother vine being launched across the world. That is, of course, essentially kind of like a mutant bomb that turns regular humans into mutants. It's a ploy to try and gain uh, mutant supremacy across the world. Uh, We saw last issue that Magneto was not interested in becoming involved in this plan, which was a really, really interesting twist. And in this issue, we see the after effects of the mother vine uh, coming into effect. It's written by Cullen Bond with pencils by R.V. Silva, inks by Adriano De Benedetto, and colors by Rain Barreto with letters by Joe Carmagna. Essentially, if you like explosions, if you like fire, if you like action, this is the issue for you. I mean, that's just a typical Wednesday. Literally, uh, look, I'm just opening to random pages. Boom. And there's just krakums and fafooms and wathooms everywhere. The wathooms are killer, man. Yeah, it's all out out action in this issue. Who doesn't love a big blow up? Yeah, come on. That covers it. For the new issues this week, we also have a couple of True Believers issues that you should go check out for just a just a little buck, just a little buckaroo. Jamie, will you run us through, do your best quick, <laughs> quick run through the collections on sale this week? This is so unfair because these titles are so much longer. Oh, yeah, they are. Here we go. <laughs> 
Annihilation, the Complete Collection number volume two. Avengers Academy, the Complete Collection volume two. Cable, Revolution. Cable, The Last Hope, volume one. Captain America, Epic Collection, The Bloodstone Hunt. Carnage, Omnibus. Iceman, volume two, Absolute Zero. Jessica Jones, volume three, Return of the Purple Man. Marvel Comics Digest, starring The Avengers, volume three. Spirits of Vengeance, War at the Gates of Hell. Star Wars, Darth Vader, Dark Lord of the Sith, volume two. Legacies and Superior Spider-Man, the Complete Collection, volume one. The Road to Marvel's Avengers Infinity War, the art of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and X-Men Domino. Wow. Did you see that? That was incredible. That was pretty good. Oh, man. I didn't think that was going to go well at all. (laughs) (laughs) Nailed it. Uh, That was so good. Folks, we did it. We did it. The what was it? The patients are running the 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 asylum. The yeah. (laughs) While the cat's away, the mice will play. Oh my! Uh, And we're the little mice. I'm Gus. Gus. I'm the other one. Yeah, that's right. Um, (laughs) Jamie. Yeah. Thank you so much for filling in. Well, Tucker, I have one question before we close out. Yeah. How much floss do you think Venom goes through in a week? Oh man. I don't know. It's a lot. He's got that tongue, so I like to imagine that he kind of like self-flosses with tongue. Not that I would recommend that. No, floss every day, kid. This is Tucker Marcus DDS speaking. Mm-hmm. I do not have a dental degree. If he did, then a lot. I feel like if we took a peek into Venom's daily routine, it would just be him brushing and flossing his teeth for oh. hours on end. He's just a nice, clean dude. He, he seems like a bad guy. He likes to take care of himself. Yeah. And on that note of clean teeth uh, and Venom action... I will bid you adieu. Adieu. By saying, this is Marvel. Your universe.